0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. This morning, we're continuing our study through the book of Acts. We're moving along, continuing to move along in a series of studies where we're looking at Paul's message to the Ephesian elders. This is a really important message for Paul to share with these men. We're going to continue covering as we're looking through Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. In part four, our main text is going to be Acts 20, verse 28, and also 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, if you want to find both places. And the context as we continue is, again, we're we're looking at Paul who understands that some really hard times are coming for him. He knows that in going to Jerusalem, that chains and tribulations are awaiting him. And yeah, I almost feel like in reading this, it's almost like he's, it's almost like a 2 Timothy sort of feel to me in some ways, where he feels like this might be the last time. He, he knows it's the last time he'll see their faces. He just said that in our study last week. But I almost feel like in some ways that he might be feeling like if I was going to impart something to these leaders, and this is the last, and and I'm about to die, if I'm about to finish my race, I want to make sure that I give the needed example and reminders and encouragements and warnings to these church leaders so that they can continue ministering effectively in the city of Ephesus. and, And then, prayerfully through Ephesus, continuing to see God's word go out, more churches planted, the gospel to keep invading enemy territory throughout the world. And and so I I, I get that sort of sense as I I see Paul here sharing his heart with these Ephesian elders. And and so we've been seeing him do that. We've seen him reminding them of his ministry in the past and sharing about things in his, of his ministry in the present. But as we now begin to move into this, sort of this third section, if you will, of Paul's message to these elders in verses 28 through uh, 30, really 35, but through the end of the chapter, he's, he's now kind of preparing and warning and exhorting these elders regarding things in the future, along with some final commendations and exhortations and so with that as we get into this third section of Paul's message we're we're beginning our time in verse 28 to sort of set the tone for our study we're going to come back to this verse again next week but we're going to spend then the most of majority of our time in 1 Peter chapter 5 where Peter some some years after this word from Paul in a lot of ways gives greater clarity regarding things that that Paul says in his initial exhortation to these church leaders, these elders, these pastors, these shepherds, these overseers. And, and while this is a specific word to those with a specific role in Jesus's church, I believe there's some encouragement in here that the Lord would have for all of us. And so with that, Let's read verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. Paul says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. In light of what Paul shared in the previous verses, he now gives them this charge regarding the calling, the role, the responsibility that the Lord had given them as leaders in Jesus's church. And as he doesn't go into all the details of how to take heed to themselves or how to oversee and shepherd God's flock there in Ephesus that Jesus himself had purchased with his own blood and then called them by his spirit to lead there must have already been a combination of of Paul teaching them those things when he was still ministering with them and ministering to them for those three years in Ephesus, but also a, a learning by example that had taken place as they had watched Paul's life and saw how he lived these things out and got to minister alongside him, learning from how he shepherded and oversaw and was a spiritual elder of the people of God. And I, and I want us to come back to this and, and spend some more time really looking at this and also kind of seeing what this should mean for a church body, what, what it would look like and what, what does God intend for a body of believers. But since, since Paul doesn't give us much insight here when it comes specifically to the calling and role of shepherding, of, of overseeing, of being an elder in Jesus' church, I, I, wanna, I want us to consider what Peter actually shares uh, some years later in his first epistle where he, he writes to elders in Jesus' church who were dispersed. They had been scattered because of persecution so that we gain a better understanding of what Paul had in mind when he speaks of the call and role of the Ephesian elders here in Acts chapter twenty. Verse 28, because some, you know, these three sort of definitions that Paul uses in this verse are the same ones that Peter uses as he writes in 1 Peter chapter 5. And so, with that, turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, even though this is primarily a word to those in a specific role of church leadership. These are elders that Peter is focusing his attention now to in his letter, the same as Paul did in his message. He's speaking to the elders of the church of Ephesus. There are things for all of us that we can learn from this passage and apply in our own lives because each of us are called to lead others to Jesus Christ. Each of us have a sphere of influence, no matter how big or small that is. We all have had people that God has entrusted into our lives, whether that's our families, roommates, whether that's your coworkers or your neighbors, you know, he's entrusted people into our lives, and he, he wants us to be good examples of Christ to shine forth the love and gospel of Jesus so that others are drawn to Jesus through our lives. But on top of all that, there's also a lot that we can learn about our chief shepherd, Jesus, in our text this morning in the things that his under shepherds are being called to in leading his flock. So with that in mind, look at verse one of 1 Peter chapter five. Peter writing here, he says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Peter says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. Now, as churches were planted and people within those churches were discipled, elders, pastors would eventually be raised up and appointed by the Lord in those various churches, because understand that's how God has designed his church to be led. You know, it's interesting when people don't have a very solid biblical foundation, or maybe it's an unbeliever, and they're they're thinking about the concept of the body of Christ how many times we can hear somebody sort of coming from a perspective of thinking like well that's a that's a man-made sort of thing like man just came up with it it's a way to keep people under someone's thumb or you know whatever the case may be and yet that's not true when it comes to how God has designed his church to be led, to be shepherded, to be cared for, that God has actually spoken things in his word, he's left things for us so that we can actually be a biblical church. We can have a biblically founded leadership. We can do things in a way where it's not just what we think is nice and what makes us feel good. And, you know, this is just a great sort of, and, and maybe approach it more of sort of like a social club. We don't have to do things that way because we see the body of Christ in action in the word of God. We, we have God leaving us some clear instruction of what it means to be a member of the body of Christ, what the church should look like, and specifically why we have people who lead. And just so we're on the same page, that word elder there had less to do with the age of a man and more to do with the spiritual maturity and biblical qualifications that were being met and the calling and anointing of God upon a man's life to serve Jesus' church. Also, the elder... The, the bishop or overseer, that word overseer is where we get the term bishop and the, the pastor, shepherd, all of which are titles or roles for church leaders found in this section of Peter's letter, in what Paul says in, in Acts 20, 28, but also in other parts of the New Testament. They're all terms that actually refer to the same office, the same role in the church. Just like Paul in Acts 20, Peter is speaking to elders primarily in Jesus' church, who he also notes are called to shepherd and to be overseers in Jesus' church. See, there was, was and is an expectation that in each local church fellowship, there would be elders, bishops, pastors, whatever you want to call that person, who met the qualifications laid out later by Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, men who knew and loved Jesus, who were spiritually mature, who were called and anointed and appointed by the Spirit of God, and who were Spirit-filled, Spirit-led men whose lives were surrendered to and devoted to Jesus. What's interesting in finding these different titles here, and in what Paul said in Acts 20, 28, is that He doesn't talk about church structure or church procedures or church government, but just talks about the heart and character and responsibility and attitude and motivation of the leader. So while there can be some flexibility and freedom in the things that God's word isn't clear about when it comes to church structure and government and procedure, what we're not to be flexible with are the things that God's word is clear about when it comes to the character and conduct of the person that he calls to lead and this is really important because in our day the church to a large degree has elevated a lot of things that god hasn't personality and charisma and speaking ability speaking ability and seminary degrees and even what we've seen throughout this pandemic at exalting of and elevating of someone because of their personal convictions about things. Over the things that God has actually elevated and said are important and must be found in the life of a leader in his church. So Peter addresses the elders among the churches. He lets them know that he has an exhortation, a, an encouragement, a call to action for them. And then he reminds them that he's a fellow elder, So Peter's not exalting himself. He didn't see himself as being higher up than anyone else. He just saw himself as a fellow elder that was serving Jesus alongside of all of these other elders within the body of Christ. He reminds them that he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ and, and that he was also along with them a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So this is Paul sort of prefacing now his exhortation to these elders. Guys, I am one of you. And really, in him saying that, he's saying that this message is for all of us. So Paul's not excluding himself from the things that he's sharing with these other leaders in the body of Christ. But look at what he goes on to say in verses 2 and 3. It says, in verse 2, he, he says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Peter begins his exhortation in verse 2 by saying, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. When we see this in light of verse 4, where Jesus is called the chief shepherd, we understand that the role of the shepherd, which is actually where we get our term pastor, is that the pastor is not the chief. He's not chief, but that he's serving as an under-shepherd under the chief shepherd, Jesus. And I would add to that, that the, the pastor, while called to shepherd, never stops being a sheep in need of our chief, our good shepherd's care too. It's a weird thing. Because I need God to shepherd me just like you all do. That doesn't change. My need, when I read Psalm 23, when I read John chapter 10, and Jesus is really, in a lot of ways, pointing to Psalm 23 being a reflection of him as our good shepherd. When I read those things, I don't go, man, this is really great for everybody else. I go, Lord, I need that. Lord, I need you to lead me beside those still waters. I need you to make me to lie down in the green pastures. Lord, I need you to restore my soul. Lord, I need you to make my cup run over. I need you to be able to make me be able to feel like I can eat in the presence of my enemies. Lord, I need your goodness and your mercy to follow me all the days of my life. And it's this weird thing in a lot of ways. There's this weird dynamic as a pastor where you're a sheep shepherd. I'm a sheep. I need that care from the Lord. But then at the same time, God's saying, yeah, you need that care, but, but I want you to do this thing of helping care for other sheep. And really, in a lot of ways, this p- position or role within Jesus' church is one of just great dependency. <laughs> it's one of great dependency because I see how badly I need the Lord's help to be able to do any of that. This is both sobering and Encouraging. It's sobering because I'm serving under the watchful eye of my chief shepherd whom I, who, who I am accountable to. But it's encouraging because ultimately the burden of responsibility falls on Jesus. He is in charge. Both me and all of you are his flock and he is the perfect shepherd. He is the good shepherd who knows how to love and feed and protect and guide and nurture us as his sheep. But the exhortation for elders in Jesus' church is to shepherd God's flock, his people, like Jesus would. You know, Peter had a special and unique perspective on this shepherding aspect as he spent three and a half years with Jesus, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd. He knew what it was like to be shepherded by the Lord. And not only that, but when Jesus restored Peter in John chapter 21, after Peter had denied the Lord three times, and Peter, after Jesus had resurrected, asked Peter three times if Peter loved him, part of the way that Jesus was restoring Peter, Jesus reinforced that call to love by telling him, to feed and tend to his lambs, his sheep. In that restoration was a new calling in Peter's life to be a shepherd, tending to and feeding Jesus' sheep, which are two main components in being a shepherd of Jesus' flock. A shepherd after God's heart, according to Jeremiah 3.15, the Lord speaking there, feeds his sheep with knowledge and understanding. The flock belongs to God, not the shepherd. And the shepherd is not over God's flock, but among it. In order for a shepherd to tend to and care for and feed and protect and lead a flock, well, he has to be among the sheep. My calling as a shepherd, as a pastor, is to shepherd like Jesus. And when I think about that, I see how much I need to grow how much I need the Lord's help, how, how much I, I need God to change and transform me, that, that that would truly be the reality in every sense of the phrase. To shepherd like Jesus, to love and tend and feed and protect and lead and serve you all. And this requires me to be among you. And as I shepherd among you, I'm to serve as an overseer, watching over, being attentive to what's happening, seeing needs, watching for danger, both inside and outside of the church, things that we'll look at more in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31, but also seeing who God has his hand upon, who he's wanting to raise up and use and even to send out. Shepherds serve and watch over God's flock. But in verse 2, Peter gets to the motivation behind the serving, and he does this by telling what a shepherd is not to do, how not to lead, and then following it up with what a shepherd is supposed to do, how to lead. He says, not by compulsion, but willingly. So for elders within Jesus' church, service is not to come from a feeling of being forced into it or obligated to do it, but willingly because we want to serve God's people. And then he says, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So service also isn't to come from a greedy heart, to want to make a profit off of God's people, not to fleece the people of God, but eagerly out of a desire to serve God. Now, even in pointing those things out and and saying that, I think that there's probably a lot of us who, if we've been in different church settings, been a part of the body of Christ at all for any length of time, that maybe we've seen, just in this short amount of what we looked at, we've seen abuses of that. We've seen where, and maybe not directly to us, but maybe we've known someone or we hear about things that happen where these things are taken advantage of, that there are leaders within the church who are not following what God's word is spoken. And, and so we can come to these sorts of things. And, and, you know, when we've been hurt in different church settings, it can, it can kind of jade us a little bit and make it hard for us to trust or let our guard down or to see that these things actually can be done in a biblical sort of way. We can kind of carry things over and just feel like, well, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. But that's not how it has to be. And I pray even for those who have some church baggage that God would help work through those things. You know, unfortunately, many have made their way into pastoral ministry with bad motivation. And the result has been bad fruit and unhealthy ministries and, and damaged sheep because of it. And these are things that can be avoided if those desiring to become leaders in Jesus' church that sense God's calling upon their life in that way would take these things to heart. And also if church leaders held up God's word as the standard to gauge whether someone was qualified and had the right motivation before putting them into a position of spiritual leadership in Jesus' church. But notice in verse three, he finishes speaking into this area of motivation by saying, nor is being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Now, I'm fairly confident Peter, as he's writing these things in verses two and three, in the front of his mind, that he's remembering a situation that happened with Jesus in the upper room the night before he was betrayed and arrested in the garden. Something that happened in that, right after that Passover meal that Jesus had had with his disciples. And we found, find this account in Luke chapter 22, But I want us just to focus in here for just a little bit. Luke 22, verses 24 through 27, it says, Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you Let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. They're in the upper room. They had just had the Last Supper. That whole night had been focused upon Jesus. In verse 24, we find that the disciples are putting all the focus on themselves, and they're arguing about which one of them was the greatest. You know, you think about these moments in the gospel accounts where things happen, and when you consider sort of the timing of it, it it really shows the humanity of the disciples, doesn't it? Jesus had washed his disciples' feet already before this. He had talked about how those Passover meals were pointing to him, and they're going to do these things in remembrance of him, his blood that was about to be shed, his body that was about to be broken. And then we find this, where the disciples are going, having this argument about who is going to be the greatest. And you just, it seems so out of place. Like, what? Like, why? Why are you even talking about this right now? Why? This is like the worst possible timing. Like, no one's even considering Jesus. No one's thinking about how he's you know, about to die, let's just talk about how one of us is gonna be greater than the rest of everybody else because that's what's really important right now. But you know, it, it really does show us that when we give our lives to Jesus, the desire for greatness doesn't just automatically go away. Just like these disciples, we want to be viewed by others as greater than we really are. We'd rather be served than be the ones serving others. And without God humbling us, we can find ourselves thinking and acting as though we are greater than others. But as we continue looking at that account in verse 25, Jesus uses bad leaders as an example. And then in verse 26, he makes it clear that we're not to be like them. We're not to follow Their example. See, the the rulers of that day exercised lordship. They dominated the people under them. And as they exercised their authority, they would say that people were actually better off with them leading. They wanted to be referred to as someone who served those under them, but they didn't actually serve those under them at all. And so in verse 26, Jesus, Jesus says to his disciples, but not so among you. So this, this was not to be how they conducted themselves. The kingdom of God doesn't work like the kingdoms of man. Leadership and influence and authority in the church of God is supposed to be different, is supposed to look different than the godless leadership that's prevalent in the corporate world and just, throughout businesses and organizations and governments, that the pastor elder in Jesus' church is called to be an overseer, not an overlord. We watch over the flock of God as those who are among, not over the sheep of God. Serving those the Lord has entrusted into our care. And this is exactly what elders, pastors, overseers in Jesus' church are called to. It's what I'm called to, to serve those the Lord has entrusted into my care, which is you all. Guys, when we call Jesus Lord, it implies that we are his servants. A servant doesn't need recognition or honor or a title in order to serve others. A servant of Christ serves because they understand how great their Lord is, how much he served us, and as a result of being overwhelmed by the goodness and grace of God, that we would serve because we've been served. Jesus, in Luke twenty-two twenty-seven, 27, just a short time after he had washed his disciples' feet, said to his disciples, I am among you, notice, not over you, I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus was basically saying, look, if I your lord and teacher am serving you, then serving is where true greatness is found. Follow my example. Do as I've done to you. Be a servant. And having a leadership role in the church or not, what a great word for all of us today to be reminded that we've been called to serve. But back to 1 Peter 5, verse 3, as an elder pastor overseer in this church, I'm just a steward, a steward of those the Lord has brought into this church family, which means that I'm just a fellow servant that's been entrusted with a different level of responsibility with those who belong to our master, Jesus. I'm not Lord over anybody, nor would any elder in this church be a Lord over anyone. But to be an example to everyone, honoring and representing our Lord in all that we say and do, genuinely and passionately seeking to imitate Jesus. You know, as I considered this portion of scripture and as I thought about Paul's, you know, exhortation even in Acts twenty twenty eight, I just, you know, I'm praying even this year that God would call and anoint and raise up more godly, spirit-filled men to come alongside me and lead in this church. I'm praying for that in this new year. But look at verse four. Peter kind of finishes this exhortation to the elders by saying, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. This last part of Peter's exhortation for the church leaders is a, is a mix of a, of a warning a call to action, but also a word of encouragement and comfort and hope. Guys, one day the chief shepherd, Jesus, is going to appear. And for me as an elder, he's going to hold me accountable for how I shepherded his flock, served his flock, watched over his flock, the example I was to his flock. And this does motivate me to want to lead Well, because I don't want to dishonor my shepherd. I I want to be faithful as an under-shepherd among Jesus' flock. But this also brings me great encouragement and comfort and hope, knowing that when Jesus appears, he wants to reward me, but not just me, but all of us. This reminded me of what Paul wrote Shortly before he was martyred for his faith, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Paul writing there to Timothy, he said, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Notice, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Our chief shepherd, Jesus, is going to come again, he's going to appear. His appearance in the clouds to rapture his church, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, is not wishful thinking or escapist mentality. No, it's our present confidence and our future reality as disciples of Jesus Christ. He's going to appear and our chief shepherd, our good shepherd Jesus is going to give us the crown of glory that does not fade away and we will be with him forever. I don't know about you, but as our world continues to trend in a direction that is more and more godless, I more and more... I'm excited for the physical reign of Jesus Christ upon the earth. That one day every wrong is going to be made right. That our righteous and just judge is going to judge perfectly. I'm excited. I'm thankful. I'm expectant for that. You know, as an elder in Jesus's church, there's a lot that God's word speaks to me and the calling and role and responsibility he's given me. And I I just, I want you guys to know how seriously I take these things, (laughs) how badly I want to shepherd and oversee God's flock well. Like all, I'm praying all the time, Lord, grow me. God help me to know how to minister effectively. I take these things very, very seriously. And I think in these things, as again, we are looking at a very specific sort of role here and calling, I, I would like to commission you, and I know many of you already do this, but I would love to commission you to pray for me. Pray for me. I, I don't ask that very often. It's, it, it sounds selfish for me to say it, the, but, it but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a selfish thing for me to say, pray for your pastor <laughs> and pray that God would raise up other godly men in this church to lead Because I think part of that spiritual health and growth, I thought about recently when I was, I think it was in Matthew chapter nine and specifically Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and some of the Pharisees were there. John the Baptist disciples had come and they were sort of confronting Jesus about why he had been eating with these tax collectors and sinners after he had called Matthew. He's eating in Matthew's home. And they're like, Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? Like, what's the deal? Because they're just seeing them feasting, having a party, they're celebrating. How come you guys aren't like off, you know, wailing and mourning with, you know, ash on your heads and, you know, sackcloth? Like, how come we're, you know, we're doing this very spiritual sort of thing We're we're really like afflicting our souls, but you guys are all just celebrating and feasting and having a great time. And and Jesus just said like, look, there's gonna be days where my disciples will fast. But he told them, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. Because if you do, the wineskin will burst. It can't handle it. It's too hard and crusty and unyielding. Like in order to preserve it, the new wine has to go into a new wineskin. And I have thought about that and thought about, God, what about these new things that you're wanting to do in our lives? What about those new things maybe that you're wanting to do in our church? And again, specifically in context, Jesus is speaking about how the religious system of his day couldn't hold the new work that God was wanting to do, this new covenant that God was wanting to usher in. But as I think about some, sort of personal application in some ways of that. That sometimes I can get a little crusty and hard. I could become sort of that old wineskin and God's wanting to do new things. He's wanting to pour his spirit out in new ways maybe. But am I just so set in something or maybe I'm just not, I'm not really listening. I'm, I'm not flexible to what the Spirit of God is wanting to do. And so it's not because God doesn't want to pour out His Spirit in a new way. It's not because He's not wanting to do something fresh. Maybe I'm the problem at times. And maybe for some of us, we would connect with that this morning. You know what? Maybe, Maybe you, like me, you would say, I, it's me. It's not because God's not wanting to do something new and fresh. It's not because He's wanting to Bring in a new season or bring about a season of refreshing or whatever that might be in your life, but that maybe we would be unyielded, we would be lacking that flexibility, we'd be a little closed off at times to what the Lord's wanting to do. And I think about for us as a church, and I think about God, and I've been praying, Lord. Those new things that I know that you want to do, those ways that you want to grow us, you said you would build your church, the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. And we've been through a weird season, but those new ways that you want to work, those new things that you're going to lead us into, can we even handle it? Are we in a place where we can be those wineskins that Jesus can pour into that can, that can handle the new thing? And I think part of that is, also has to do with God wanting to raise up more people to lead. It's been something I've been praying about a lot. And, and I just encourage you, as you pray for me, pray for our church, pray that God would do that, that God would rally and raise up and, and anoint and appoint people to, to lead. I'm just one person. And in order for our flock to really be ministered to, and if God was to bring new people here, would there be people that could minister effectively? And as I look around, there's so many amazing servants of God here in this church that I count it such a privilege to serve alongside. But I I believe in part of this, again, this maybe new things that God might be wanting to do, that, that God's wanting to expand sort of the, the leadership community of this church, if you will. And I just, again, call upon you guys to be praying, praying that the Lord would lead me in that. So that as God wants to build his church here, as he wants to bring maybe new people or unbelievers or whatever, that we would be ready. We'd be flexible. We'd be, we'd be able to just get right on board with what the Spirit of God is wanting to do in this new year or in a new season as things change and as as we change. And and part of that is that God is designed for there to be these people in his church, elders, pastors, overseers. Why? Because he cares about our spiritual health. He cares about our spiritual growth. He cares about our spiritual effectiveness as his people. And and for me, I'm just one person among all of you. I'm just one part of the body who's been given a very specific role. Not better. Not elevated. Yeah, maybe a little bit more visible, But guys, really, God has called me to be a tool in his hand to help you all flourish. That we would all be all that God intends for us to be as his people. And in some ways, this, this kind of nails me. Like this study, you know, I hope that we, again, see things about Jesus, that we learn things as people, Peter and Paul are both writing specifically to this very specific sort of role in the church of God that we would gain a greater appreciation for who our shepherd is, Jesus. Seeing that these things were clearly reflected in Jesus's life and ministry. That we can see in Jesus the the shepherd that our souls need and long for. The shepherd who With him, there is no lack. He leads us well. While this kind of, again, it, it, it hits on an area of the church that, you know, it's important. Because if the spiritual health of the leadership is not where it's supposed to be, it's gonna affect the rest of the body. So there are things here that I have to take heed to as your pastor. But, again, we're gonna see some more even next week as how, how these things play out among the body because as, as, as Paul said, this is the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood. If, if that kind of price, if that kind of value has been placed on the body of Christ, I think you and I as the church of God in these days need to really pay close attention. We need to have the right sort of perspective on what it means to be a part of the body of Christ in these days when people are coming up with all kinds of different sort of you know, feelings about what a Christian is and what a church is in these days, some good and some bad. And you and I can really grab a hold of these things and prayerfully, God will make us those people that reflect Jesus well to a watching world. Amen. I'm have the worship team come, come back up. Look, again, you know, a lot of this was specific to, again, a very specific role within the body, but there are things for us to take away from here. We are all called to serve Jesus. And in serving him, we're to lead people to him. And so when we grab a hold of that, we can see that God has things in here for us as well. Lord, as a, as a friend, as a coworker, as a mom, as a dad, as a brother or a sister, as a son or a daughter, God, how would you have me to serve you? How would you have me to lead others to you that my life, that your life would be marked by humility, by a love for people that we would have sort of a a shepherding, shepherding even sort of heart of those that God has entrusted into our lives. And that all of us today would be able to have that excitement and confidence that for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, that one day a crown of glory is coming. He's got that for you and for me. A lot of things are going to fade, but that crown of glory never will. And one day, just like those elders, man, we're going to have an opportunity. Those elders that we see in the book of Revelation, we're going to be able to stand before the Lord and whatever we had that we might've put so much value on, and none of that's even going to matter when we're face to face with Jesus. All of that's just going to be thrown down at his feet for us to just worship him. The lamb that was slain, our chief shepherd, What a glorious day we have waiting for us, guys. Don't lose hope in the meantime. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that you called me to be an under-shepherd of yours here, Lord. Thankful to be useful and usable by you, Lord. But I'm just one part God with a specific role and Lord I need your help. Lord, I need your grace. God, I deal with my own discouragements, Lord as a still being a sheep, Lord, I get you know anxious and stressed out at times, Lord, I I need your care in my own life. But Lord, God, I want to lead well. Lord, I pray that you would help me to do that. But Lord, at the same time, God, I pray that you would, God, raise up more called and anointed and spirit-filled and it's filled and godly men here in this church, Lord, to to be elders, to be pastors. Lord, that those new things and and new people and New ways that you're wanting us to minister as a body, Lord, that we'd be able to handle it. Lord, we'd be ready. God, for that new work that you would want to do. And Lord, as we consider these things this morning, Lord, that we would take to heart, Lord, this call to serve, to be servant leaders, each of us. Lord, seeing, God, that those that you've put around us, Lord, that you, Lord, those that you place in our lives. God, that with that stewardship, Lord, comes great responsibility to be examples of you, Jesus, to those that you put in our lives. Lord, to to serve in humility. Lord, to watch over even the state of other people's souls. God, to be praying and to be, Lord, sharing. Lord, that others would be led to you. Lord, not driven away from you because of us, Lord, but led to you. So Lord, help us to serve well. Lord, help us to lead well. And Lord Jesus, we're thankful that one day you're gonna return. Lord, that we will be with you in glory and that Lord, you have a crown of glory awaiting us. Lord, for those that love your appearing. And Lord, we love you this morning because you first loved us. And God, we want to serve you, Lord, with our whole lives. Lord, help us in these days. God, empower us by your spirit in these days. Lord, give us grace. Lord, in these days, Lord, to know how to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ in this dark world. And God, for those this morning that are needing Lord, you're shepherding work in their own lives. Lord, those that are needing God, that leading of you to be able to lie down in the green pastures or to be led to those still waters to drink. Lord, those that are in need of your restoring work in their souls, God, would you do that? Lord, would you comfort and, and heal and encourage and strengthen Lord, God, would you cause the cup of people's souls to run over with the work of your spirit? God, would you bless your flock here at Calvary Walnut Creek? Lord, would you, God, if we've gotten crusty in any way, Lord, if we become old or hard or rigid wineskins, Lord, soften us up, Lord, as that old Keith Green song says, Lord, with the wine of your love, Lord, soften us. And then, Lord, pour into us, Lord, those new things, those new, fresh works of your spirit. Lord, God, build your church here. Lord, we wanna see more people discipled, more lost people find salvation in Jesus, Lord. We wanna see, Lord, you reach those in the Diablo Valley, God, work powerfully among us, Lord, that you would work powerfully through us, Lord, for your kingdom and your glory and your purposes, God. I just pray, Lord, if anyone is here this morning that doesn't know you personally, Lord, if they've never put their faith in you, Lord Jesus, that even now, Lord, you would be calling out to them, Lord. That Jesus, those who have never submitted their lives to you, have never put their faith in Jesus Christ. That even now, Lord, in their own hearts they would say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord, I need your salvation. Lord, that they would call out to you. Lord, that they would confess their sin and repent of their sin. Lord, that they would put their faith in you, Jesus. God, that they would believe in their heart that Lord, you rose from the grave. Lord, they confess with your mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. And Lord, would you save them today? Lord, would you forgive them of their sins? God, would you cleanse them of all unrighteousness? And Lord, would they become part of your kingdom? Lord, part of your flock this morning through faith in Jesus. And so Lord, as we sing these songs Lord, in response to your word, Lord, we just pray for you to continue, Lord, your work of shepherding our hearts this morning, Lord, throughout this week, Lord, throughout our lives. Lord Jesus, that we would stay close to you. And Lord, that we would honor you. And we thank you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.